Welcome, oh listener, to another episode of Spam, 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 Humbug. This is episode 115 of the podcast, and we have another great discussion lined up for you, which, again, I'm not part of. This week, uh, we have, I believe, Draxaneth and Sir Klaus, and they cover a bunch of different topics. I actually regret not being in the episode because Sir Klaus said some unfortunate things about Dungeon Siege 3, which I would have happily rectified if I'd actually been in on the podcast. I realized maybe didn't get the best reviews, but it is actually a really great game. That said, they talk about the In Exile slash Obsidian Entertainment acquisition by Microsoft. They talk about a bunch of other things as well. Check the show notes for all the details. I'll try and make sure everything is included. And of course, give the episode a good listen and see for yourself what gets talked about. And of course, as always, I'll just remind you that we are now hosted on Anchor.fm. It's a newer social podcast hosting platform. You can find us at Anchor.fm slash SSSH podcast, or of course at our website, spam, 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 humbug.com. But at Anchor, you can take advantage of some neat community features. You can leave voice messages up to a minute in duration. You can give our episodes applause. And if you're listening in the Anchor app, you can also favorite our episodes and the podcast itself. If you do the smart home thing, you can find us live on the Apple HomePod. Try saying, hey Siri, play the podcast Spam, 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 Humbug, and see what happens. Likewise, Google Home, try saying, hey Google, play the podcast Spam, 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 Humbug. And as always, this episode of Spam, 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 Humbug is brought to you by our Patreon backers. Thank you to everyone who supports the podcast and the Codex by that means. And as always, a hearty thank you to our co-producers, Seth, Golden Flame, Chris, Brickbat, Dominic, Violation, Cranberry, Shamano70K, Gradia, Christopher, Bruce, Edward, The Hearth of Britannia, Dark Wraith Dragon, Helgriff, Gronk, Pascal, and Thorwan. If you'd like to join that number, head on over to patreon.com slash ultimacodex and take a look at your options. Well... That's all I had to say, so without any further ado, enjoy the show. Do you want to talk about uh, Microsoft's acquisition of, uh, of uh, the two uh, independent studio, Obsidian and... Uh, and uh, how is it? Um, and the second one? Or have you uh, another preferred subject? Well, I think we can talk about several subjects. Uh, I'm not very knowledgeable about those studios, so um, I heard the news about the acquisition by Microsoft and how it's good impact on the development. The question. Both studios had difficulties uh, with uh, with the treasury at one moment or the next, and I think Obsidian uh, back in the day must have been in the early 2010s um, had an exclusive project with Microsoft, but uh, it didn't get through, uh, and uh, it was on the Microsoft side, and they uh, decided to um, not go this way and stop the project. And it created um, financial difficulties for uh, Obsidian to the point where we were um, at the limit of closing. And uh, the studio was saved by uh, uh, Kickstarter, and especially the Kickstarter for the first um, Pillars of Eternity uh, game, mm-hmm. and after that they uh, they were able to uh, to release two uh, two more games, uh, and here we are today, where we are uh, bought out by Microsoft. The other studio, I'm just looking for the name so I don't butcher it. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. In Exile. Yeah, In Exile um, was oh, first. Uh, I. I think I'm not wrong. Created to um, to release uh, Wasteland 2. It was the first game they uh, they uh, released, uh, which is the uh, the sequel to Wasteland 1, yeah. which uh, is the the spiritual ancestor of the Fallout series. Yeah. And Intel also is also the developer of the Torment Tides of Numenera. Yes, and the Bastel 4, mm-hmm. just released. Yeah, I remember the advertising for that game and the Kickstarter, yeah. but 
I wasn't really very convinced about Numenera at all. I, I, I was a alpha and beta tester for that. And I felt that Monte Cook was just didn't have enough direction. And he promised a lot of things. And what he did was nothing of what he promised. In the... He was... He was talking about a lot of things that he was promising lots of things and the and the rules, the game, everything was <coughs> the completely opposite. You're talking about the, silly. the pen and paper game? Yeah. And yeah. The, uh, the I, yes, I kickstarted the the game uh, the game too back in the day. But I was I don't know I I hoped for something different, and I was not uh, thrilled with of mechanisms of the game engine work, and uh, I I never uh, I never played it much myself. Um, I fell again for the Strange, which is uh, another game uh, using the same game engine, but again it was more for the. The setting concept of uh, the strange, rather than the, the mechanism itself, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, on the pen and, pen and paper side, I'm uh, I'm uh, a real fan of uh, a game called Torg, uh, which is a, a game that originally released in 1990, I think. Uh, Talks about uh, multiple realities uh, invading uh, on Earth, and the fight from from people to uh, to defeat the the high lords uh, uh, who are uh, leading these uh, these invasions. And this strange with its multiple realities and uh, ability to hope through was something better. Excuse me, <laughs> was something that uh, that I really wanted to um, to. To see, uh, because at the time when uh, the strange was kickstarted, Torg was still a game that was uh, what, uh, something like uh, almost 30 years uh, uh, without new products. But since then, <coughs> Torg has, has seen a second life with uh, Torg Eternity, uh, which was uh, a new version of the game released by uh, Ulysses uh, Spieler in North America. Uh, I'm pretty happy with that, and I completely uh, moved away from uh, from Numenera and uh, the engine that uh, models it. I was curious to see if um, if the weird setting would translate well uh, in in a computer game, and uh, well, it's. I don't know. I I played a couple of hours, but I didn't like it so much to the point I wanted to continue uh, playing it. Um, it's it's not my my cup of tea. On the other hand, I played uh, the Bard's Tale Four recently, uh, mm -hmm. and I I completely liked it. It's uh, it's uh, a friend of mine said that it's more like. Uh, a portal game with uh, more RPG elements rather than uh, a classic uh, dungeon crawling RPG, and I must say, I'm totally um, okay with that definition because <coughs> while you have uh, enemies to defeat and a party to manage, you have a lot, and I mean a lot, of puzzles in that in that game. Uh, uh, yes, a f physical puzzle, you know. Uh, uh, pushing blocks to align in a, in, in a specific uh, formation, um, uh, clockwork puzzle where you, where you have um, to move uh, gears, so uh, some of them are moving, not others, and things like that. But it's it's an interesting game. I I don't know for both games. Um, what is their uh, current financial uh, health situation? Maybe they're in need of uh, of fresh money, and the acquisition of Microsoft uh, uh, can uh, can help with that. Yeah, there's always uh, there's al there always needs to be a balance between the 
budget, the creative freedom, and the, um, how should I call it, and the corporate. Yeah. The, the thing is... If any, if any of them is... Uh, uh, money is always going to be needed. Uh, yeah. And, and the creative freedom needs to be kept in check to some point to keep things from drifting away. There needs to be a sort of stability and consistency. And also uh, profitability. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm a minute hurt. But the thing is, both of this game had no... Uh, and no personal money. It was uh, it was two independent studios uh, for for which each game was kickstarted, and it was the kickstarted money that uh, that would uh, create the game. And somehow, uh, how to say that? Somehow, it was uh, an experience of always getting fresh money to go forward to a point where you can't ask yourself if they are not announcing uh, a new game to get a new uh, influx of cash to finish the previous project. And that's the question. I mean, if you are, have no... Uh, other income of cash beside the Kickstarter, you can, you can get uh, uh, over your head and um, uh, promise something more by, uh, and something that you cannot uh, deliver at one moment. And it's exactly what happened in some kind of, uh, some kind of uh, thing with uh, Portalion and Shroud of the Avatar. So having a, a, a huge company like uh, Microsoft or Electronic Arts or THQ North uh, beside the studio can help uh, both limit uh, the, uh, the feature creep on your game and keep the influx of cash. Uh, but by doing so, like you said, you trade your, your freedom of doing things. Uh, one of the things uh, which is particularly uh, uh, clear for me with these games is that uh, both Inixile and Obsidian uh, uh, worked for Kickstarter but offered a lot of uh, well, uh, physical goodies with some of the Kickstarter levels. And things like that, I think, won't happen anymore with Microsoft. Uh, Behind them, so we are back to uh, a more standardized uh, game, which will be released in the uh, maybe in the store shelves, but with uh, with a standard edition, maybe a limited edition, but with uh, with limited content too. Collector uh, collector products, which were um, high level Kickstarter uh, pledges, uh, won't exist anymore for this game, and I I wonder if. Uh, this for the, the kind of uh, grognard crowd that uh, what was attracted to Obsidian games and uh, Inexile games, maybe it was part of uh, attractivity too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot that uh, they can benefit a lot from that, but it's also a double-edged sword. My, my it's uh, always a trade-off. Yeah, sacrifice something. I think it's particularly the case with uh, In Exile. Um, if I remember well, uh, Brian Fargo, who was uh, a gay, uh, an 80s game designer like uh, Richard Garriott, announced that after Bad State 4, he wouldn't, uh, he would leave uh, the game industry and take uh, his, uh, how do you call that? Uh, it's live from it, and so uh, in exile, uh, with without Brian Fargo, can certainly benefit from being uh, a Microsoft Studio. Now, uh, a thing I'm less uh, familiar with uh, 
is about um, Microsoft history with uh, role-playing games. Uh, I can't remember them having uh, released a, a pure APG game for the studio, uh, but maybe I'm mistaken. Uh, I remember wasn't them... There, wasn't Gas-powered games, wasn't it a Microsoft game studio? Yes, um, it was both uh, Microsoft yes, in the... In, was the yes. developer of Dungeon Yes, for Dungeon Siege, yes. I, I still have my uh, my first edition of Dungeon Siege, which I I was lucky to win in a... In a what is it called? A raffle, I think, from Microsoft. Mm -hmm. uh, with the original CD signed by... Uh, the main, uh, the main uh, developer of the game, <laughs> but uh, uh, yes, it was Dungeon Siege, uh, but it wasn't. A, a, it was an action RPG in the way, in the veins of a, a Diablo game, rather than uh, a full-fledged RPG like uh, Pillars of Eternity or or Wasteland Two, a thing like that. Uh, Microsoft was also behind uh, the the late Ashron Skull. Uh, MMO game uh, with uh, with uh, with Turb Turbine was uh, was a studio of Microsoft back then. Uh, they used a Microsoft Payments uh, solution uh, until they uh, they split and became an independent studio from Microsoft in the early 2000s. But um, I, I can't remember them. I, I don't know what was no uh, anything like Mass Effect or things like that, which was uh, early on uh, an uh, an Xbox uh, 360 exclusive, was over studios uh, from Electronic Arts. So no, <coughs> so I'm curious to see what the strategy will be with uh, with that. Uh, do they want to uh, to create new RPG to uh, to uh, to to be uh, a, a how to say that, uh, uh, concurrent to uh, Electronic Arts? Uh, uh, or do they want... Uh, because they could have acquired only one studio, uh, let's say Obsidian, which is the most successful one, but they, ac they, they actually bought out two studios. I wonder what the strategy is behind that. Maybe games for the Xbox, most likely. Both studios can benefit, especially I think uh, in Exile already uh, has experience with releasing on uh, on multiple platforms uh, because uh, Torment's Tides of Numenera, which is the Numenera games we discussed earlier, has been released not only on PC but also on Xbox and PS4. Um, I'm not sure about uh, about Obsidian Studios. Uh, if they released anything uh, on on, uh, I don't think they they released anything on the on the consoles. No, mm, yeah. uh, Pillars of Eternity, Tyranny, Fallout, New Vegas. Oh, Alpha Protocol. I never went to never went to two. Star Wars: Night of the Fall. Oh, they released South Park, uh, the South Park games. Oh, um, interesting. I, I didn't remember that, but uh, in a twist of, uh, of history, uh, uh, Dungeon Siege 3, which is, I think, one of the least liked games in the, in the series, was released by, uh, by Obsidian Studios. Back in the day, Obsidian Studios were uh, mostly known for uh, creating follow-up to, uh, to, uh, to major games like Dungeons and Dragons, Star Wars, Knight of the Old Republic 2, I think, uh, Neverwinter Nights 2, and Fallout uh, New Vegas. And most of the games were... Um, were uh, Positively, uh, uh, received. you received by the by the critics back then, which motivated them to create a new franchise. Uh, but um, as I said, at the turn of the of the decade, when we started the 2010s, Dungeon Siege Three flopped, and I kind of remember that uh, that. Uh, 
uh, Obsidian Studio had financial difficulties because um, Microsoft uh, moved away, backed away from uh, an exclusive deal with them. So it's interesting to uh, to see that uh, that they are returning to uh, to Microsoft now. They say the life is a cycle. <laughs> yeah, which is all this new again. Uh, starts again. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because I'm just checking the Wikipedia page of Obsidian Studio, and you remember, didn't know that, but uh, Obsidian and uh, Inexile were uh, uh, both uh, both uh, former uh, founded by former employees of Interplay Entertainment, and they used to share technology with with each other. So, so uh, it's interesting. Both, what, what what I want to say about that is that both studios are uh, are known to have worked with each other. So uh, is there a pattern there? Maybe they they want to uh, to acquire the two studios, and once they release uh, the next game, each each studio will release the next game in its uh, in its uh, which is uh, it's waited for. Maybe they they. Uh, uh, Fusion the studios. Yeah, the only games I played from Interplay that I remember, Baldur's Gate Two. Yeah, but Interplay was a. Uh, it was a battle chess. <laughs> oh, battle chess was a very good game. Yeah. Um, Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim. Oh, the they. It was a. Uh, Brian Fargo uh, was the, the founder of, of Interplay, uh, which uh, went to uh, to create Inexile later on. But <coughs> yeah, it was uh, which was way yeah, it was bad style wasteland. But the, the studios back then uh, uh, had a deal with Electronic Arts to uh, to, uh, to get the distribution done. Oh, I'm curious. Yes. I wanted. Yeah. I want. I remember. I wanted the Icewind Dale games. Yeah. But I never got them. I found. Yes, but I'm just looking at. I also played something. Siberia. Yeah. That was from Interplay. So. Decent free. Oh, <laughs> yes, I kind of remember that. Uh, they uh, they released Dungeon Master 2, Legend of Skullkeep back then. And most of the games like Star Trek 25th Anniversary, oh, which was so an adventure game. I remember I wanted the Bard's Tale game too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the first game uh, I played for me to play was Bard's Tale 3, Thief of Fate, yeah. back, back in the day, with the uh, with, uh, rotating. Uh, some piece of card you have uh, that uh, which was used for <laughs> but it's an interesting uh, story I don't know where we are going there I'm a bit curious because uh, both of them uh, have, uh, have a game to, to be released or just uh, being released I think uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken um, Obsidian has just released the Pathfinder role, uh, Pathfinder role-playing game, uh, video game, and In Exile is in is producing Wasteland 3 for 2019. So um, I'm curious where they are going in post 20 in 2019 and post 2019. Will we see some uh, announcements from Microsoft? Maybe. So they finally released Kingmaker. Yes. I was not aware of it. Did you play the game? I played the tabletop game. Yeah, uh, I I, <clears throat> uh, I have some products from Pathfinder, uh, the, role, the pen and paper role playing game. But um, since I, I after dungeon mastering a lot of D and D third edition, uh, which I include third point oh and third point five. And uh, it's derivative game, which was uh, the Star Wars uh, D20 RPG. Uh, I was a bit uh, burned out uh, on the game engine, so I never, never liked much uh, the Pathfinder mechanisms. Uh, mm -hmm. 
so it wasn't too much of an interest for me on the paper, but maybe uh, as a gamer, maybe it's better for me. Uh, I have to check it out. Well, I don't know. More simplified and more polished than the third edition or three point or revised edition. As a as a game master, I <laughs> I always felt that <laughs> for the players it was a it is an excellent game engine, but uh, as a GM it was uh, I had too much uh, thing to uh, to check, uh, especially in combat. Uh, it was becoming a, a slog, and uh, I'm curious because I I saw a, a video of a combat. Uh, between mm -hmm. the party and a group of ogres in the Kingmaker video game. Mm -hmm. And I think the combat was something like 45 minutes long. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's, that's really the case or if the person <laughs> playing the game was, was, was just uh, messing with us. But damn, <laughs> just too much. 45 minutes. Can you imagine that? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so much. It feels I, uh, like uh, like the tabletop game, but yes. tabletop it's the game master that is processing uh, the numbers and everything. Yes, and, and the players thinking about what we're doing, but uh, that was mm -hmm. just the, the game. Uh, because there's so many things that uh, uh, players can do, and they are moving uh, at the exact same distance, uh, and they're using the cl noxious cloud and things like that. It's, yeah. it's. I don't know. I think oh. that uh, 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 ten minutes of combat is already long, and especially if you oh. if you lose during the combat, you have to reload and restart. So um, oh, I don't. Yes. As a tabletop, I liked it. Even I liked a special module called um, Mythic Adventures. Yes, um, I'm that aware one, of this Mythic one. Adventures, that's... Uh, well, back then, in 3rd edition, there were the epic levels. Yes. Which were levels above the 20th. But the, that made things very complicated and it's, yeah. it's a very high level and you keep growing and growing and growing but especially in, opposition and, yeah and on the, with the pathfinder mythic adventures that's the mythic powers the mythic tears is something separate from the yes. rest of the character and you can turn it on or turn it off whenever you want to as a game master. So for example, you say there's a god that grants his favor to you and makes you more powerful and then all of a sudden they have all those mythic powers and when, the, when they do whatever the, that deity want, wanted them to do, you just take their powers away and they return back to the to the way they were before that maybe uh, maybe a, a few levels higher but they're still mortals they don't have those those mythical powers that allow them to fight gods and, and extremely powerful creatures which is interesting because you start at level one with mythic powers, and uh, you can start having a mythic adventure from the get-go. Uh, you don't have to wait until level twenty uh, when numbers are starting to be unmanageable. Uh, yeah, but uh, yes, mythic adventure was an interesting concept. Um, they tried to move away from the, the difficulty of epic level in uh, in fourth edition D and D which is a whole different beast um, by incorporating the the levels uh, 20 to 30 in the game uh, uh, so you add uh, your heroic levels from level 1 to 10 your paragon levels from 11 to 20 and 20 uh, to 30 was epic level and 
both in Paragon and uh, on Epic uh, on Epic levels, you selected uh, a, per a Paragon path and an Epic uh, Destiny, uh, which respectively uh, um, uh, allowed you newer powers, uh, especially the Epic Destiny, and it was it was expected. I mean. Um, when your character reached level 20 to 30, it was on its way to becoming uh, uh, something different. Maybe you were becoming an angel for your god, or maybe you were becoming a legend that will uh, live forever in your world, or maybe you were becoming a, a, a powerful deity yourself. It was really something that was um, just different, but D&D 4, well, like some someone said, it was the best game for what it wanted to be. It is a game with uh, more with very tactical combats, but it wasn't well received. So they uh, they moved away from all that when they released uh, D and D fifth edition and returned to, to. I wouldn't say to its roots as 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 third edition. It's uh, even simple that third edition with the Indy 5. And all the things about Epic Level have completely disappeared in the, in, from the game itself. But Epic mm -hmm. Level isn't something new. It existed in another form in, uh, in AD&D 2nd edition with, uh, mm -hmm. on the tail end of uh, the life of the game, uh, AD&D, uh, they released uh, uh, a new version of the books, uh, um, uh, and they released uh, players' options, uh, a series of book players' options, and one of them was uh, high-level campaigns. Um, it's from this book that the epic level from third edition uh, and later on uh, uh, in Pathfinder existed. I mean, as a as a fighter, when you started to be level 21 something, you, your punches started to be magical. Uh, and uh, becoming, uh, you, you became able to, to punch things that were resistant to natural damage, things like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that uh, other games uh, methodize uh, the, the mythic aspect of the, the players too. But like you said, what was uh, interesting with uh, with uh, uh, mythic campaigns is that you, it was a separate template from your uh, from your character, and that's something very interesting because other games will uh, put you in the in the skin of of uh, uh, a god child or things like that, um, uh, where in which you are. Uh, the spawn of a, of a greater god like like Thor or Odin or Zeus or Athena, and you have poorer powers from your god, from your god father or mother. But this is different. Maybe maybe we'll do again one day. The, there are lots of things that everyone has tried uh, to handle different and. Um, for example, there I remember along with the Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder, and there were other systems based on it. There was one that I played with my friends. It was Iron Heroes. Yes, a derivative of uh, yes, it was a derivative from the D twenty system. It was uh, yeah. in the in the two thousand we had. Um, a lot of opportunities to uh, to uh, to create new games when the, uh, the D20 SRD game was uh, uh, game document was released, and uh, Monty Cook that was interesting. Yes, Monty Cook created a series of game. Uh, uh, one of them was uh, Arcana, Arcana, and and Shane, I think, uh, and the other was Iron Heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, those I never are, played. I never played it, but they uh, really I found good. But the 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 Numenera was was really his worst 
the world he made. It's it's the, very different. Monty Cook. Yeah, Arcana evolved and Iron Heroes were good. Yeah, Arcana evolved, which was the, the sequel to uh, to the first Arcana game. I can't remember the name right now. Uh, Arcana Unearthed. Yeah, I know. Uh, both games were were. Monty Cook was a developer for 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 Wizard of the Coast back then, and he had a good uh, a good handle on the on the D20 system uh, to the point in which he released uh, a series of very uh, very successful products uh, like the Book of and something, uh, which uh, created new rules for the the third edition of D&D. Uh, he released. Uh, a uh, huge, huge setting adventure which was c called Ptolus, uh, uh, the, the Spire City, I think it was the subtitle, which was the first uh, uh, mega book I knew about. It was, I think, something like 700 pages. And he created um, uh, a setting, but I, I don't think he created much for the setting beyond the, the core books, which was uh, Arcana an Earth, an Arcana evolved, which was the Dragon Empire, and then he created the, the Iron Heroes. Diamond uh, Empire, the Diamond Empire. Diamond Empire, yes, that's right. Which was an interested, interesting and different setting, and the Iron Heroes. Um, I think I remember the concept of Iron Heroes as being more uh, uh, geared toward martial classes, and less uh, well, toward... Yeah, there are, there's a quote which describes the game and the concept. It says, you are not your magic weapon and armor. You're not your spell buffs. You're not how much gold you have or how many times you have been raised from the dead. When a big bad demon snaps your sword in two, you do not cry because that was your holy avenger. You leap onto its back, climb up to its head, and punch it in the eye. Then get a new damn sword up to the next humanoid you have got dead. It's very interesting because I'm checking the page right now, and I wasn't aware of it, but Iron Heroes wasn't developed by Monty Cook. It was published by Monty Cook. And the game was released by, uh, was written by Mike Merles. Uh, mm -hmm. And... Uh, I don't know if you know about him, but he's been a lead designer for fourth uh, edition and fifth edition of Dungeon and Dragon back then. Mm -hmm. ah, interesting, interesting. But yes, it was a very different. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, more, it's more like, uh, as a friend said, it's like a Hellenic version of the game, like. Yeah, I, uh, like the stories from Odysseus, like the like the Battle of Troy, the Battle yeah. of Thermopylae, and all those Greek battles. Yeah, uh, more like um, but uh, uh, some uh, APG like uh, which was it called? Uh, I tried to do recently. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, to have a more uh, down-to-earth uh, representation of combat rather than flourishes and things uh, like that. Uh, not exactly more down-to-earth, but more... Yeah, less uh, mystical, less... Uh, it's not uh, yeah, uh, calling for your, your, your uh, father's spirit to uh, help you lift your sword, like would uh, uh, a mystical barbarian in Dungeon Dragon, which was uh, by the strength of your own... Uh, on abilities that you succeeded, not uh, some mystical mumbo jumbo. Yeah. So. Interesting. I'm just curious. Uh, there was also from the games that I have played. I don't know if you have tried Mutants and Masterminds. Mutant Masterminds. It was the uh, the, <coughs> the superhero game that evolved from the yeah. D20 SAD. I, I don't know. I yeah. I usually have difficulties um, playing uh, superhero games. Uh, yeah, that that one that that role set is not not necessarily for superheroes. 
it's more like a general purpose. And I, what I like about that game is that it uh, leaves a lot of details very vague. So the what it details uh, very uh, what it details is the effects of your powers or your equipment or everything. You just you just define the effects. For example, you have what uh, this ability one, which does damage, and this damage is fire damage. Or you have this power, this damage power, and you you can be it, it's just this type of damage of this intensity and and it's an array which you can switch between fire ice lightning wind and you spend one turn one action switching between what kind of power you're going to use so if you want to switch from fire to ice, you spend one turn switching, and then you okay. use And then, you, for example, you have a, a an effect which is an affliction, which which uh, maybe slows them down or numbs their mind or something. It's they're just effects. And you just take that and define and create your own your own abilities, your own spells, your own magic, whatever. You just choose the effects you want your character to be able to do. And then you add whatever description you like. There's yeah. even a, there's even a book dedicated to it gives you a list of different powers like fire powers, time powers. Uh, maybe uh, earth powers, uh, magnetic powers, and everything. And for example, time powers. If you check the list of time powers, it says uh, uh, time powers. It's a time defa defacement on which you go out of phase from time. And so when someone, for example, when someone uh, shots at you, someone shoots at you with a gun, you are, because you are out of sync with time, the bullet goes through at a moment in time when you're not there, but you are there. And or you go out of sync or out of phase with time and go through a wall or or you increase your speed faster or to attack to hit harder or or you use the time time powers to heal wounds and so you're using all of different effects and the book helps you to give them that that description you want so to justify to say my hero has the power to manipulate time and and i can heal because healing works by manipulating time this way i have defensive power because i manipulate time this way to to protect or to defend myself and I manipulate time this way to attack. And that's it has for all kinds of powers. It's interesting. Um, I'm just checking the the, the website of Mister Mister and Mastermind. It's they have released a free edition of the game. Uh, yeah. Latest being the third edition. I don't know which is the. Uh, uh, did it change much between the editions? Uh, are you mostly playing with uh, uh, the original one? I, I can tell you that the third edition, well, the game, the okay. game system needs a lot of polishing yet. There are lots of things that, that become mostly useless with the, with the change in editions because they, the way they... They modified them. 
There are lots of things that become redundant and things that you, if you raise, for example, the base ability scores, they're, they're mostly useless. There's a, it's always cheaper to just buy what the points on the skills or the defensive points that you want to use specifically. Because if you raise the ability scores, they cost too much. Okay, yeah. And there are other rough edges in the, in the design of the character creation and also the character advancement. But the base idea is quite good. Just looking at yeah. a, a starter, a quick start. I'm going to check that after the show. Yeah, the, the book that gives you ideas for powers, for the description, or to justify using some to give your... If your character has powers under a specific theme or a specific element or something, it gives you the ideas. Okay. It's called Power Profiles. And it's for the first or the second edition of the game? I for the latest edition. Okay. For the edition. Okay. Yes, it's from checking from the index. There's air powers, armor powers. That is powers that are that come from the armor you're wearing. Okay. Animal powers, cold power, cosmic powers, darkness powers, death powers. Dimension powers, dream powers, earth powers, electrical powers, element powers, fire powers, gravity powers, illusion powers, kinetic powers, life powers, light powers, luck powers, magic powers, magnetic powers, martial powers, mental powers, meta powers, morphing powers, plant powers, Radiation powers, sensory powers, size powers, tongue powers, speed powers, strength powers, summoning powers, talent powers, tech powers, teleport powers, time powers, water powers, weather powers. That's it. Yeah, that's uh, quite a lot of uh, of uh, classification. So you can really. Select what you want to uh, to do with uh, with your your character and which well, difference you want to go. Yeah, basically they give you how to how to give your powers a description based on on a chosen power theme or power origin. It's it's interesting because uh, I don't think we had a lot of. Uh, Superhero uh, role-playing games uh, as video games. Um, yeah. I I kind of remember uh, uh, how was it called? Ah, uh, it was a uh, oh, damn. I'm just uh, just missing the name right now. Uh, uh, if it was a Freedom Force game, uh, Freedom Force One and Freedom Freedom Force Two. Uh, against the Reich, I think it was the second game. Uh, there was uh, what was it called? Uh, I'm just just give me a second. Uh, there was a game in in, in 1994, which was called Super Hero League of Robocam, which let you play superhero. In an uh, RPG-like game, and it was a DOS game. Uh, like I said, there was the Freedom Force series of game, but even that Freedom Force was what 2002, so it's not. Uh, uh, there was a. Uh, it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. There was Noctopolis. Are you familiar with this game? No. Noctopolis was um, 
an adventure game in uh, in which you played um, uh, a fan of uh, imagine a superhero like Batman and you were reading the comics and then suddenly you are you are uh, you are uh, you are projected in Gotham City and uh, Batman had disappeared and it's you to take up the mantle and find what happened. Noctopolis was that. Uh, it was a point-and-click game, which uh, which set you in the in the skin of this this person, and you discovered what happened to your to your hero. Um, Superhero League of Hoboken was a role-playing game uh, released the same years as Noctopolis in 1994, but it was a uh, 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 a funnier game. It was about superhero and comedy. Than a, than a serious game, and in which you created your, your superhero group, uh, like in Bat's Tale or Might and Magic and things like that, and had to solve adv uh, adventures. And of course, there's a Freedom Force, which was uh, I don't know if you're familiar with. It was, it was a tactical uh, role-playing game in which you had to uh, to uh, uh, select a group of heroes who use the, the given heroes in some missions uh, and vanquish enemies. It was it was released in 2002 and it had a sequel, I think, next day. It was uh, in 2005, Freedom Force versus the Third Reich. It was very interesting and I think uh, uh, both Freedom Force games are available in, uh, in Steam and maybe uh, in GOG. But uh, superhero games are not something like uh, we see very much as computer games. Maybe because of what you said, uh, with the freedom to create the character with its power set, it's very difficult to create a challenge that would be uh, equivalent for for every uh, every type of uh, of of players, if you will. I mean, if you have uh, an airbus challenged and your character is a speedster or just a strong and tough uh, or just a, a good fighter you won't be able to overcome it because he doesn't have the ability to do to do so well, I, one, one of the experiments i did with that the mutants and masterminds role set was and I I watched an I watched an anime called uh, Myriad Colors Phantom World, which was the premise for that anime was quite good and interesting. It was about a world that about a sort of event that ca that caused some sort of mm, mutation or something. The human mind, and this uh, the humans started seeing spirits and ghosts and other kind of creatures that were previously something invisible to the eye. And there's not it's not very clear the origin of these creatures, but it seems like they are actually created by human thought. Oh, and the the characters acquire powers. They have powers based on their beliefs and their way of thinking. And the main characters, one of them is an artist. He draws things, and from his and his drawings uh, come to life and become spirits he controls. There's another who eats anything. She there's it's a girl who eats ghosts. It's she eats spirits, and so they awaken them, and then she eats them. And there's another who who likes music, and she sings, and her voice is her sonic power. And there's another who trained martial arts. Um, I think. Uh, the her the martial arts he, she trained had something to do with the elements and so she she draws power elemental power from her body 
and we use it as martial arts technique. And other there are other support characters with different powers. And from that anime, I I created a quite simple setting about with the similar premise, and uh, we played for several months on that with the mutants and masterminds rule set it was quite interesting and there the characters even with that book power profiles there were a couple characters which started weak and without much direction and that book helped the players to to refine the powers on their characters and make them more useful that's good because uh you it means that you can uh, make the game uh, evolve at you and you are not stuck with a bad decision that you made a long, long time ago, which is uh, classical of uh, some, some warping in which you, you, you decide one thing and doesn't work like you expected to and you are stuck with that, with that character unless you create a new one. Uh, on a very different note, have you seen the latest news in, the, in the, that, uh, that Stanley has passed away? Yes, sad news. It was a sad news. It was 95 years. We can say it's a, it's a lifelong... He lived a long life, but uh, mm. and, you know, I was starting to think he was, he was not going to, uh, to pass away because he was so energetic and he was seen in, uh, in all uh, Marvel media. Mm was so happy to participate. Yeah. yeah. I was not aware of his age. Yeah, he was very, very old. Um, I, I started to be aware of his age a couple of years ago, I think, when he started to have uh, difficulties with people who wanted to uh, manipulate him for for getting money out of him. Uh, scammers and yeah. things like that. It was a really sad, uh, sad news to see. Uh, but uh, uh, he brought us so much uh, yeah, in the in the aspect of the, the renewing uh, the comic industry in the sixties, and of course it uh, it created the, the some of the most well-known superheroes uh, we are we are we are experiencing now. So let's hope that, uh, and I'm pretty sure that. Uh, while uh, he wasn't uh, there anymore uh, at the at the realm of, of Marvel Studios since what the late seventies, I think. Uh, what he brought us uh, uh, as a creator, uh, we inspired. We continue to inspire new generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always uh, inspiring and. The comic books and writing about a character that the readers can relate to or that readers can admire, sometimes strive to be like a sort of like a specific character. And well, I I don't know if you have been following on the on what I have been writing lately. I've been mostly disconnected from the from the discussion, so I, I don't know if you did you publish some new uh, content? <clears throat> yes, I've been I've been publishing and and posting on Facebook, Twitter, and on the Discord fan fan projects. For you, for your personal project, I think you are, which which is record of the. Uh, of uh, Dragon Goddesses, that's right. Yes, I've been posting what is a, an interview, which is uh, which has the purpose to introduce the the readers to the to the world of the game, and also to well, I'm also aiming for something more. I want to see if how much interest it generates, and see if it can be more than like, more than. Maybe, maybe something more like a comic or 
TV series or even a movie. I've been told by several people that it has enough quality and potential to become that. Um, you created a. So I have received a lot of, of have received a lot of pos positive feedback on it. It's on the Facebook page record of Dragon Goddess, is it right? Yes. Okay, I'm checking so the link today. Put a link here. I'm putting a link on the linkage channel. You can give it a quick read. It's not too long. It's been only only four chapters, and they are short. Okay, I'll do that uh, later today because. It's already. I don't know which time it is for you, but it's uh, six uh, six a.m. for me. So uh, eleven p.m. Check that later on. Okay, the four chapters. Yeah. Well, I okay. I have created so well, well, whole I world you, and characters you, and. And I've tried to make the gods as characters. I think you you uh, you did a reading from uh, other chapters uh, back then in another episode of uh, Spam 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 Hamburg. If I if remember is correct. Uh, that yeah, that uh, that was a very short part. Yeah. Um, but it's not part of the interview that I'm publishing right now. Okay. There is this one is more of an interview. It's like I I have a lot of uh, I have designed the the that world and that universe, and, but there are lots of things that I haven't written down. So I, what I started doing was put it into writing, typing them. And put it as a sort as a sort of interview, uh, role-played interview, where I get in character and try to feel like the interviewer and as the as the goddess being interviewed, and I play both parts like feel and to be like the character of the moment, and I'm writing down, typing it down. And the, uh, the interview is flowing naturally. It's uh, the questions that I feel like asking as the interviewer, and uh, I'm replying to them as the goddess. Okay. And the flow, I and I flow as I feel like like I should flow. I read that uh, on my on my pause after midday. Um, sadly, it's, uh, it's about 6.15 uh, and um, I have to prepare for the, for the day. Um, thank you for the discussion again today. Uh, I hope that we can do something with it. Uh, I hope to, uh, to talk to you later on. Sure. Thank you. Um, goodbye and good night. Good night. If you want to participate more directly in the podcast, you can send us an email at ultimacodex at gmail.com, or if you're feeling a bit braver, you can leave us a voice message in one of three places, the podcast website, our Facebook page, or on anchor.fm. You're also welcome to join us on Discord to chat with us and to lurk or contribute to podcast recordings when they happen. If you want to join the Ultimate Dragons, you can do so at udic.org, where at you can choose your very own dragon name. You can also find the Ultimate Dragons on Facebook and on Google+. You can follow at Ultimate Dragons on Twitter, or join them on Slack or Discord. And if you're feeling really old school, you can even fire up a Telnet client and check out the Wearmount. If you'd like to support Spam 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 Humbug, you can do so at Patreon, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to episodes the day before they go live for everyone else. You'll also get access to behind-the-scenes audio on occasion and possibly other interesting content. But if a monthly subscription isn't your thing, you can always buy your video games at GOG. We are a partner of that fine site, and every time you buy one or more games at GOG via the links on our websites or in the show notes, that helps us out. But we also welcome your moral support. You can like the Ultima series on Facebook, follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter, or leave the podcast a review on iTunes. 
and you're welcome to share our episodes with your friends and social media circles. Spam 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 Humbug is a production of the Ultima Codex. You can find show notes online at spamspamspamhumbug.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be virtuous. <laughs>